0: welcome to in the aisles the movie and tv podcast that is so criminally underrated we should be issued with a red notice i'm james yes, i'm dan this week we're going to talk about what we've been watching we have some real news updates that may be out of date by the date that this podcast is released and our main review is the most expensive and most successful film of all time on netflix red notice
1: is it the most successful i didn't know that
0: it was the number one streamed you know as as announced by netflix with the data that no one quite understands (laughs) fair enough
1: I just wanted to make a quick comment. I'm not backtracking here. I had a lot of lot of backlash. Two people have condemned me for my review of Close to Me last week and said, "What are you talking about? It's not bizarre. It's not weird. What drugs are you on? Don't know what you were talking about." So maybe I had that all wrong. That was just my opinion of it. But fair enough. If you were offended, I apologize.
0: Okay. This was was this the Channel Four slash All Four comedy drama? Yes.
1: It wasn't a comedy. It just came across as a comedy because it was so bad. Right. But just me, apparently. And also, when I was editing last week's episode, I noticed that I said Gal Gadot's name wrong yet again. And Chloe Zhao. Either way, I'm sorry. I'm going to continue to do it. I apologize.
0: Yeah. Chloe Zhao. Is it because you've listened to a rival podcast where they've said it over and over again? And that made you think, oh, I've been saying it wrong because that's what
1: I thought. That is what's happened. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I had exactly the same thing.
1: But anyhow, anywhere, how are you?
0: Well, I've been reflecting on what kind of person I really am because of, um, I cycle to work to protect the environment and save the world. And sometimes other cyclists overtake you, which, which is fine, I'm taking my time. And when people say, morning, it really, really annoys me. And as they drive off, I'll whisper to myself, morning. <laughs> I really don't like it. I, I interpret it as a, as a mocking greeting And how do they know that I want to be greeted when I'm in my private time?
1: It's called being civilised, James. I mean, thank your lucky stars that someone's not gunning for you and is aiming to just take you off that bike in one fell swoop. Because I've got to be honest, in terms of what sort of person you are, you're the sort of person I hate because I can't stand (laughs) cyclists. Okay.
0: (laughs) Are you the kind of person that just, when there's a lot of traffic, you just edge towards the pavement to close the gap that I'm going to go through? Completely legitimately go through.
1: I don't want to hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not quite that bad, but your kind annoys me at times. Yeah. <laughs> they're, just, they're just being kind, James. Is it, yeah. is it the tone then? Do you just get the sense that some people aren't being genuine?
0: I might just be inferring a negative tone because I'm so negative, but they're not intending it to be negative.
1: Fight fire with fire. Just go back to them with that mounting. See what response you get there. <laughs> Well, if you're cycling to work, James, I would guess that that takes slightly longer than in a car, but hopefully you can still squeeze in some time to watch some content.
0: Yes, I do squeeze in some time to watch new content, and I'm going to talk about that. Now, first, Dope Sick, which is finally available in the UK on Disney+. Plus. It stars Michael Keaton. It's about the impact of the opioid epidemic in America. Which was also the subject of a HBO documentary in May, which was called Crime of the Century. It's about how a miracle drug called Oxycontin was approved and sold and marketed very successfully as a non addictive drug. But was that really the case? And it stars Michael Keaton as a doctor in a small mining town, and he gets sold on this miracle drug and he comes to regret that decision later on. I hadn't seen any trailers for this, so I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I had any expectations for it i think i've just seen one poster which is michael keaton walking down some stairs that are are actually massive drugs but it's darker than i expected it's not a medical drama it's more of a crime drama like american crime story it's telling the sprawling tale of this supposed crime maybe it is a crime i don't know enough about it it is quite heavy is what i'm saying watching caitlin deva diva from, that's another mispronounced name, watching Caitlin Deva from Booksmart and unbelievable suffer from crippling back pain is not fun to watch. You see a lot of the Sackler family planning the marketing of the drug, and it does make you a bit angry to watch them scheming. And there is a fair amount of time jumping as well. It starts with a court case in 2012-ish, and then it says 1982, flashback. Then it says 2005, and it seems more complicated than it needs to be. And I wasn't mentally prepared to pay that much attention to what was going on. But I did enjoy it. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to continue to watch it. Dope Sick on Disney+. Plus.
1: Glad to hear that you're, well, enjoying it's probably the wrong word, but I've only seen the first episode and I am bought into this and I'm going to see it through as well. But as you said, even from episode one, I can tell that this is not, it's not going to be an easy watching experience, but I'll go with it. I'll go with it. Anything else that you've been watching?
0: Continuing with a, a medical theme, The Shrink Next Door on Apple TV+. Have you heard of this?
1: I have listened to the podcast and only just have been made aware of the existence of this. So, okay. yeah, intrigued.
0: This stars Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd. It's based on the True Story podcast about a man, Will Ferrell, whose life ends up being controlled by his psychiatrist, Paul Rudd. And it spans about 30 years. It all starts off in the 80s. Will Ferrell is all nervous and anxious and his sister, Catherine Han suggests going to a psychiatrist and very quickly, Paul Rudd steps over the boundaries and arranges things like a second bar mitzvah. He goes to Will Ferrell's business to deliver a workshop. And because we already know the premise, it's very obvious that Will Ferrell is being manipulated. Paul Rudd says, I don't want to take advantage, but he is taking advantage. Or he says, your sister's trying to take control of you, but it's really the psychiatrist that's trying to take control. It's very creepy and sometimes funny, but it's neither a comedy nor a drama. I suppose that makes it a comedy drama, but it's not funny or dramatic. It's a piece of slick Apple TV content, like physical with Rose or Mr. Corman with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's what Apple TV seems to have settled into making slick high-end TV. They make the iPhones of TV programs. Watch it for Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd if you like Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd, is my advice.
1: I was surprised to hear that it was comedic in some ways, because it might be my ever faltering memory, but the podcast was not in the slightest funny. So, strange that they've took that direction with this. But like you said, neither here nor there. Yeah,
0: the subject matter is disturbing, and it does open quite dark. But it's Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd, so they are funny. There are funny bits.
1: Sends right up my street. I'll be checking that out. I didn't know that it had been released over here yet. So Apple TV is where you can catch that.
0: Yes, The Shrink next door. Daniel, what have you been watching?
1: First off, Dexter, New Blood. I forget, really, at which point we discussed this previously, but Dexter, it was up there with one of my favourite TV shows, and everyone knows this by now. It had a universally despised finale, one that I never actually watched because I'd become so disillusioned with the final season. But it's back, and it is here to make amends under the title Dexter, New Blood. So if you IMDB this, it shows as a completely separate TV show, not a continuation season. Don't know who's going to find that interesting. Um, At first, when I heard about this, I was thinking, do I really want them to cement themselves further into the TV history books as being the biggest letdown to a TV series ever? Because this is a very big gamble. If they're going to attempt it, they must they must have a good idea, because otherwise they're just making the same mistake twice. So the release date got ever closer and I was finding myself quite excited. And it's here airing on Poor Man's HBO, Sky Atlantic, or No TV. And there's only two episodes available so far, but I am more than pleased to say I am so glad that this is back. Even after just the first episode, it feels like spending time visiting an old friend, an old friend who may kill people for a living but unless the series takes place many years after the events of the original where dexter has fled his former life he's disappeared into good old small town america he's got a new identity and he's living out his days in a remote cabin and he works in a local hardware store that just so happens to sell guns is there a name for a gun shop in america what do you call it because they sell them everywhere
0: gun store they might call yeah. it in america let's let's go
1: with that And what I really liked about the first episode was it it felt very well thought out and it had a rending approach to reintroducing you to Dexter. They don't rush into, oh, he's back to his old tricks, murdering people again. There's like this gradual build up and it all completely makes sense how things unfold i mean that's not a spoiler he's going to kill people otherwise why are you watching it quite cleverly this is the dexter that you know and love so it is familiar in that way but at the same time his hunting ground is very very different so in terms of like the backdrop and it's setting in the original it was miami glorious sunshine heavy miami amidst bright lights and bars and clubs but here it, it couldn't be further from that it's it's rural sparsely populated secluded to an extent and it's full of snow everywhere so visually it's just very very different and i think that was a really wise choice because i'm under no illusion i'm gonna say it this is not gonna be reinventing the wheel and doing something different with dexter it's gonna be the same thing again it's a redemption series that is what this is It's, it's so people can forget that season eight happened and it gets the ending that they deserved but having it look and feel very different in terms of the setting is making it feel fresh And it's not just the setting that means it's worth revisiting. Up until this point in the series, it's a completely different cast. So all the relationship dynamics are gone. We're starting off from scratch. And already I feel like they've planted enough in there where I can see that this is a recipe for potential disaster. I'm going to shut up there. I really like what they've done. And if this matches anywhere near the intensity and quality of season four, I will be a happy man.
0: Dexter, New Blood. How can I watch that?
1: It's available on Now TV.
0: That's a very, very clever title because it's New Blood, like new people, but New Blood, like he is shedding new blood with a new series of killings. Really clever.
1: (laughs) Works on every level. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say as well, this has got like 9.2 on IMDb and both episodes are in the nines. It's good. It's not that good.
0: What else have you been watching?
1: I briefly mentioned it last week. It's my new favourite TV show. It is Succession, which is a TV programme created by Jesse Armstrong, who is responsible for shows such as The Thick of It, Veep, Peep Show, the underrated Fresh Meat, if anyone's not watched that. It's available on 4OD. There's some real heavy hitters that he's produced. And this is along a similar vein of something like The Thick of It and Veep, But rather than politics, it's global corporation politics. And because of that, it's a tale of greed, betrayal, and finely worded insults. At the center of all of it is the Roy family, which is this monumentally wealthy family that holds the keys to a media and entertainment empire. There was a suggestion that the template for this family is the Murdoch family, who on british media outlets news the world the sun and the fox corporation in america according to imdb trivia which you should always take with a pinch of salt jesse armstrong has said that's not true but i can see where the comparison comes from anyway it's fictional black comedy And the patriarch of the family is Logan Roy, played by Brian Cox. And the story is he suffers a sudden illness. And one of his sons, Kendall, who's quite prominent in the business, he uses that as an opportunity to capitalize on this weakened position and gain control and become CEO of the company. Now, that might sound like a very backstabby and extremely immoral thing to do. But then you very quickly realize that this is a family full of narcissistic vampires. Not literal vampires and this is just how they do things and they turn on one another and continue to throw each other under the bus at any available moment because of that it is chock full of absolutely unredeemable reprehensible characters there is not a decent person amongst them i would argue and because of that this should not work as a program because you inherently shouldn't care about them. So why would I keep on watching? And that—that that is probably a hard question to answer. I suppose at the end of the first season, I'm not spoiling anything, I disagree with nearly everything that Kendall, the main son, has done. But I'm starting to understand why he's done it. Because essentially his whole family is built upon psychological abuse and mass dysfunction. And this is like a survival tactic that he has. But anyway, more than that, this is just so entertaining to watch because they fuck each other over, whether it's subtly or overtly, every single episode, and I just, I love watching it. And maybe in spite of how vacuous and hollow all these people are, seeing them get the comeuppance is just, I love it. I do love it. I suppose the other factor that makes this compulsive viewing for me is just like the thick of it, there is this sense that it isn't very far off the mark. When it comes to how these people operate at this level yes it's fictional but there's a vicious truth to what you're seeing the thick of it was obviously a satire about politicians and this is in the same way it's got that viewpoint but on high profile business people but they don't feel like caricatures to me i can imagine these people existing because of that environment because it's so cutthroat I mentioned this is a black comedy. It's not necessarily laugh-out-loud funny. It's the snarky and cynical tone that puts a smile on my face each and every episode. And to quote one of my idols, Bo Burnham, I probably didn't laugh, but more than a few times, I did exhale out of my nose. Word on the street is that this only gets better and better as it goes along. So I cannot wait to watch the rest. James, I believe you have partaken in this journey with me. What are your thoughts
0: Fully agree on your points. It fully lives up to the hype, which I think only started with season two early this year when it won all the awards. I loved it as well. I don't think I've binged watch something so quickly before. I watched two seasons, which is 21 hour episodes in three days. I've had my phone on my chest watching it till two in the morning in bed. I absolutely love it seeing what it's about doesn't really sell it that much because i'd seen the premise that you've described very well and i thought how could that be the best program that's ever been made it doesn't sound interesting but it really it really really is the characters are all so terrible and uh, like exaggerated because it's a satire but they're also completely believable i love it i absolutely love it
1: i'm so glad you've said that because we had a text exchange midweek and you said I'm on episode 5, does it get funnier and better and I was like wait for episode 6 and I do think that's when it really comes into its own is episode 6 because th- there is a showdown of sorts and I was like this is a masterpiece this is brilliant.
0: Yeah. Something happens in the first episode to take someone out of the action for a bit and then it feels like that is done so that everyone else can be introduced and explain what's happening. But then once it gets going it is non-stop awesomeness. Every single scene is extremely important every word and every look that is happening it all contributes
1: it's like it's like watching an elaborate game of chess i think this program that's what i'd compare it to not yeah. actual chess but yeah just in terms of the the game the playing, and the moves they make it's oh, so good animation.
0: It's, it's so it's so clever as well because there are scenes where they're blackmailing each other and the characters they're clever enough to not actually openly state what's happening and talk about blackmailing each other they say it in a clever way Re- there you can see them process a the situation and respond appropriately and someone's actually bothered to write those characters in that way
1: yeah it's very very finely scripted and we've not even and we could go on for another 20 minutes but we shan't. we've not even mentioned any of the cast and it is cast so well stand out for me i think you said you really like him matthew mcfadden i've always thought you're very one note. You just play the same guy in everything. And in this, he is a revelation. I think he's awesome in it. And, it and does, you, sorry, sorry it, it, it go, does go, go.
0: get better and better as well. Season one is amazing. It's brilliant. Season two is unbelievable.
1: Right. We've talked enough about that. Yeah, but hopefully on. that has inspired people to watch it because you really, really should.
0: Yeah. And you can watch it on Now TV in the UK. But it is a HBO program. So it's available wherever hbo is shown in your country
1: which is everywhere in the world apparently apart from the uk because of the deal that sky has because it's gone to europe thanks thanks sky thanks murdoch shall we speaking of news moguls shall we get to news it's the real thing it is now
0: real real news news Scouring for news that wasn't clickbait, I looked at the BBC News Entertainment and Arts section and the top story in the world of entertainment and arts on the BBC News website is headline, Rod Stewart reveals why he didn't play live ed. And the little line underneath says, the star clears up his absence from the charity gig and insists he doesn't style his hair with mayo. That's the biggest thing happening in entertainment and arts right now. We've grown up Sorry, go on.
1: I was just saying, we brought it to the people, so be grateful that you know that very important information.
0: I believe you have updates from last week.
1: Don't know whether this qualifies as real news, but I'm going to bring it up. I was listening to a crime podcast that was deconstructing the film, The Guilty, which we reviewed a few weeks back. Did you know that, I don't know how to say his name, Anton Fuqua, who directed that film, did the entire thing from a van because he had COVID and couldn't be on set? I didn't know that. It's quite interesting, isn't it? I just thought I'd throw that in there as a little news nugget. On to real news now.
0: Disney Plus Day happened recently. That's where Disney announces new things, including their exciting Marvel Studios releases that are coming up. And an image is going around of some new logos. So some of this is things that we already knew. Some of it is new, new, and it's updated logos. So I want to ask you, as a, as, as a casual Marvel fan, whether you know what this is. So, X-Men 97.
1: I don't know what X-Men is.
0: Of course. Echo. The Dolphin? Nope. No. Right. Spider-Man freshman year. Yeah. Agatha, House of Harkness.
1: Oh, God. The fuckiest.
0: Marvel Zombies?
1: Isn't that what fans refer to themselves as if they've been a fan for a long time?
0: She-Hulk? Yeah, yeah. Miss Marvel, Ms. Marvel, Ms. Marvel. Do you know who that is?
1: The wonderful Miss Marvelous, the Amazon Prime series?
0: Nope. No. Moon Knight.
1: Only because you mentioned to me last week. <laughs> that's the only reason I've heard of that.
0: Secret Invasion, which is, a, is a, you never know, the plot line. And Ironheart.
1: Oh,
0: no. So that's what we can expect from Marvel Studios. How exciting that you don't actually know who any of them are.
1: Maybe that's a good thing. Imagine if half of these things come out, if not more, and they're decent, and it's not something that we've seen iterations of for years and years and years. It might be a positive, but I'm inclined to be as cynical as you and think, mm.
0: Do you have an update on a story from
1: last week? I certainly do. People might not care, but that's not going to stop me. We spoke about Vin Diesel rather desperately putting out the feelers for The Rock to return to the Fast and Furious franchise. And I said at the time, and you agreed, this is futile. It's going to go nowhere. That was the end of it. Well, he's had a response. It isn't from Dwayne Johnson himself, but rather his business partner and co-producer. His name is irrelevant. I'll give you the quote. You can never predict or control what's going to come out of that world. So I'm very used to it by now. I think we're both very used to it. I know. That's a weird use of a full stop, there. I don't get what's going on. I haven't been able to really connect with DJ Dwayne Johnson on it because he's buried in promoting Red Notice, which will feature as our latest main review. But yeah, I'm used to it. It's what comes with that world. You get crazy curveballs thrown and you just roll with it. It's the Fast family. Look, DJ is the biggest movie star in the world. No one's below trying all attempts and approaches to try and get him on board. So I appreciate it. You got to take your shot. You never know. I'm sure there's a couple DMs that slid in, that slid in there too. I'm sure he slid into the DMs as well. All that is to say, what? Well, our response is no response. Thank you for messaging. We're not going to give you any little thread to hang on to here. It, it seems like it's still a no.
0: I agree. That sounds like a polite way of saying he's busy. He's bigger than you. This is desperate. That's the and end the of fu- the sentence. So the way the main there didn't make it sound like that's the end of my sentence, but that was the end of my sentence.
1: And I think the funniest thing about this whole bit is that it isn't Dwayne Johnson that has responded. He's asked his business partner to do it for him because he just doesn't have the patience for it to do it himself, which is, is the biggest you possible. So good on him.
0: Well, Dwayne Johnson, red notice, the segue writes itself. This film is new, fresh point on view. Hold me sit back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is Red Notice.
1: Hello, boys. It's so nice to finally meet you in person.
0: She's going to steal Cleopatra's eggs. They're priceless.
1: If we catch her together,
0: I can clear my name
1: and I'll help you become the number one thief in the world again. Lift in your neck. Even if I did partner up with you, you still only have one brain.
0: What's a plant, son of a... Red Notice is a globe-trotting, prison-break, spy-action-jungle-adventure with a $200 million budget starring two of the most popular, charismatic leading men in Hollywood. It's a story of quick-witted, double-crossing criminals, fistfights, gunfights, explosions, lavish sets and CGI vistas. All ingredients that could make for a rich, engaging promotional campaign. No, forget that. Here's a picture of Gal Gadot wearing a red dress. Like what you see? Then watch this film to see more of Gal Gadot wearing a red dress.
1: An Interpol agent tracks the world's most wanted art thief.
0: <laughs> that can't be it.
1: <laughs> that's the that's the IMDB summary. That's literally it.
0: Amazing. Daniel, what did you think of Red Notice?
1: This is one of those films where I have absolutely no idea what you think, and I love that. So let me give my review, and I'm sure yours will be the polar opposite. I feel like there was a period of time maybe in the late 90s or early 2000s where if you had a film that had a cast of this magnitude and you were selling yourself as the next big action comedy you could pretty much guarantee with 70 percent certainty that it would be okay and it would be good but in more recent years I might be misremembering history but in more recent years I feel like the success rate has just Plummeted and plummeted to a level where you can actually near enough always anticipate this is going to be really bad. And once in a blue moon, you get a nice surprise. Now, due to my world weariness and the fact that we do this podcast, that's how I was approaching this film. I had no expectations other than it's probably going to be bad. The two hour runtime had me hacked off because everybody knows that any good comedy has no business being longer than 90 minutes. I actually texted you and said, Quote, I'm going to get it out of the way this evening. So all that is to say, I did not want to watch this. I was in full-on grumpy mode. This was a begrudged sitting for a film. Then the film started, and 15 minutes in, we've had an initial little heist that takes place in an art gallery, and that's quickly followed by Dwayne Johnson chasing down Ryan Reynolds. There's a nice bit of action. And I'm thinking, "This, this has been very lively, this opening. And, oh, hang on a minute, I'm smiling. That's a good sign. Immediately, the pessimist in me then went, well, it's all downhill from this point onwards. This film has nothing profoundly meaningful to say, nor will you feel a deep attachment to its characters a mere five minutes after it's finished. A full day after that, you'll probably not recall any single action sequence. But it performs a bit of a magic trick on its audience, or it did with me at least, whereby you are not afforded any waking second to assess whether this film is bad, whether there are any plot holes. It literally does not breathe for a second. It is action scene, witty dialogue and banter, or bants. Action scene, another humorous interaction between Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson. And when that possibly starts to feel a bit stale, Gal Gadot, I've said it right, shows up as the villain, I suppose you would say, of the piece, and she shakes things up a bit. As indicated, I think the way that all three of the actors play off one another is very effortless and it's not forced. They have good chemistry and screen presence. I am struggling to recall a particular action scene now, as I said, but in the moment, they felt very well choreographed and executed. The story is very basic, but I was intrigued enough to go with it and the way in which it Progresses. It provides it a bit of an opportunity to feel like a mashup of Ocean's Eleven meets The Italian Job with a bit of Indiana Jones thrown in. We've said many times it is what it is, and we can look at films and say sometimes it is what it is, which is a switch your brain off, enjoy the ride, action comedy. And this, for me, was solid end of the week popcorn entertainment. Uncharacteristic for me, I did not look at my watch once. I did not check how long was left. If I had to point out one thing that slightly chipped away at me throughout the whole thing, this feels like bullet hell at points, but there is no fatality in the entire thing. I don't know if that's even within the realms of possibility. It did defy logic a bit, but it's it's clean, bloodless family stuff to keep it at 12 rating, and that's fine. I'm nitpicking. To summarise, I was very pleasantly surprised by this film. It didn't feel like a chore or a huge waste of my time. I just sat back, put my feet on the table, which really annoyed my missus. She doesn't like me putting my feet on the table. And I let it wash over me. And it did. James, what about you?
0: You've made me feel bad, but I'm going to go for it. This is an entirely original work of pure imagination from a visionary writer director and watching it you can truly feel the the presence of an auto and you think to yourself how could someone come up with this the cleopatra's eggs are not real that's made up he's made that idea up it's not based on anything it's completely original the plot as you've said it couldn't be couldn't be easier it's a MacGuffin plot and the word MacGuffin is said in the film by deadpool he's so self-aware it's so funny and it's jumping from set piece to set piece constantly which which you said prison party jungle stitched together with three actors playing themselves who are very likable the snappy opening that you've mentioned in the museum i think it is it's supposed to be a quick in and out theft set things up but that goes on for too long and then they go to barley and then they explain the plot to each other then they're in prison and there was no flow for something so snappy which is a bit weird It felt like playing Uncharted, where you start in a new area, run down a hill, have a chat, it's all quiet. Exploration, gunfight, epic escape, loading screen, next area, start again. That's what this film felt like. The money is definitely on the screen. $200 million. I feel like in the promotion, they've made a joke out of the fact that it's $200 million, which you don't normally see. That's actually in the little clips that Joanne Johnson has put out. It's really self-aware, which I like. It looks like a big film with big actors. It's not big actors slumming it in a Netflix film. A nice difference from Eternals, which was also 200 million, but looked really gray and dull. From the trailers and the poster, I thought this would be an action spy caper, but it's more of an action-adventure treasure hunt heist buddy comedy. The action is fine. I agree with you on that. I would have liked to see more practical effects and stunts and fight choreography and do more with Dwayne Johnson's physicality and Ryan Reynolds. The three lead actors. I'm a big fan of Dwayne Johnson and Gal Gadot. Ryan Reynolds, he's fine, but I'm not a super fan who loves everything that he does. Dwayne Johnson, I think, has been better. He was better in Fast and Furious. He was maybe even better in Jungle Cruise. He has inhuman charisma, but I think in this he's quite generic. Ryan Reynolds plays Deadpool. It annoyed me, but it's not his fault because he was given too many quips in the script. You could half the number of quips. It would be fine. Gal Gadot, when she was trying to be quirky, it was a bit cringy. I imagine it was written as something that Lizzie Kaplan, the most underrated actor of all time, or Margot Robbie could easily do, but Gal Gadot just can't. The torture scene where she's trying to be quirky and and funny, like she's getting pleasure out of the violence, it just didn't quite work. But that poster. Overall, it's competently made. Enjoyable entertainment product, and I enjoyed it. But like you say, it's quite empty, but I did enjoy it. But it's empty, but I enjoyed it.
1: I went, I feel like I went on a bit of a roller coaster there. I was thinking, Did you didn't like it? Likes it? Didn't like it? Like it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was an experience. Okay, I'm glad you arrived at that. I thought we were gonna have a bit of an argument as such, then not an argument because an opinion's an opinion. Gal Gadot, I really. So, in fact, just before we recorded, a work colleague messaged me and said, oh, yeah, watch Red Notice. God, how does she continue to get acting roles? She's the worst actress in the world. And I was like, what? what? I've not seen her in much other than Wonder Woman. I don't think I've seen her in anything other than Wonder Woman, actually. But I really liked how different she is in this, and she's having a lot of fun. I can see what you say. Maybe not all of it works, but I thought she is having a good time, and I am with her. Agree on the Ryan Reynolds thing. It, that shtick is becoming a bit tiresome at this point, and it did great on me a bit. And Dwayne Johnson's pretty much the Jason Bateman role in this, where he's a bit more straight first, so he doesn't get that much to work with. So, yeah, I think we're on the same page with all the acting stuff. Uh, don't get me wrong, I've probably come across as very overly positive, but I think it's just because the bar was so low before I watched it that I thought, wow, that was bloody okay. Yeah, Yeah. I think we're
0: on the same page. I think we've just chosen to emphasise different things in our comments. That point you made about it not stopping, you're not getting any time to breathe or think. It's like a film that was designed to be turned into memes and 10-second clips on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) For promotional purposes, that's what it looks like. I noticed the lengths they went not to kill people. There was one really standout one where they are driving down a tunnel. One of the Interpol agents... Is in a jeep and as they're driving really 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 fast at 100 miles an hour he hits a rock at full speed he definitely die he rolls out of the jeep and there's this little ah! this little scream the only reason they have that cutaway and the sound effect is to show you he's not dead we've not killed even though we've just killed him we're also showing you he's not dead
1: yeah it's very keen on letting you know that throat there's, there's another scene as well isn't there involving a, a helicopter and Multiple people shooting all over the show, but not one bullet lands. I know we made a similar observation in Bond, but this is like to the extreme. But then again, had to solidify that twelve certificate, didn't they? So I get it.
0: It is okay to electrocute someone in the balls, though. And, <coughs> say, the, and say the F word, just don't kill any faceless minions.
1: Yeah. Weird standards they've got. What about the... Obviously, the Ryan Reynolds thing, not everything landed, but in general... How was the comedy for you? Did you laugh at any points? Did it work or not?
0: I did laugh at some points, but it wasn't the long setups. So it was the little lines like lift with your neck, and when they see Gal Gadot in that red dress, I mean, how about that dress? They see her, and Ryan Reynolds says, "You look awful." Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> but there's other bits where, say, when the uh, Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson s- sleeping together when they're they're talking to each other in about bed the dads. about the dads and it's a heart-to-heart conversation we've got all the music and all i'm thinking is this is going to be punctuated with a joke yeah and whatever it is it's not going to be funny because i've seen films before i know this is setting up for a joke at the end and that's exactly what they do so dwayne johnson just starts snoring and it's a joke and then do the same thing later on so it is hit and miss what about you did you find it funny
1: I feel slightly ashamed in saying that it did because I recognized that a lot of what's in here is quite cheap and obvious things to go after like I think it's the Interpol agent I don't remember the actual joke but it was something about her Instagram account and I did actually laugh at it but I thought it's not a finely written joke it's just a very obvious one but for some reason it worked for me and there's nods to like recent pop culture things which kind of like oh yeah that's in the moment that's in the now and that's that's quite funny. But again, if I was to have that time, and I, you know, we're not built to just tear films apart and say, what are all the flaws? But if I did have that moment to think about it, I'd probably go, yeah, this is poor. But I was, I was swept <laughs> away with it, so it was fine. The funniest moment in this film, actually, which is, you can decide whether this is a spoiler or not, there is something that is hidden for decades, for decades, under a one centimetre layer of soil. That, that was the funniest thing in this film.
0: It sort of links to that point about how you don't have time to breathe. There are so many quips happening all the time. You don't have time to think about the ones that are bad. You just react to the ones that are good. Anything else before we get to spoilers? Do you remember? They might still exist. Do you remember the the MTV Movie Awards? They used to do parodies where they would edit comedians into films. The one of the best ones was when they made Will Ferrell into the architect in the Matrix Reloaded.
1: Uh, I thought you were going to say Ben Stiller as Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible too, but yes, I remember them well, yeah.
0: This film seems like one of those, but it's the actual film.
1: Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, it does actually.
0: So you have a pretty generic action-adventure, but they've just edited in a comedian, Ryan Reynolds, to make everything ridiculous.
1: But it works. It does, it does work. Not to milk it. What about the runtime? Because I feel like it is so fastly paced that I didn't even feel the two hours. So that did not impact me. Same for you or, or not really? Yeah, I
0: thought the two hours was fine. Like stuff like Indiana Jones and Star Wars, the old action adventure films, they were two hours long. So two hours was fine for this. Daniel, would you recommend Red Notice?
1: To my surprise, yes, I would. What about you, James?
0: Yes, I would also.
1: Right, let's break it down in spoilers.
0: Bruce Willis' real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. As we've said, straightforward plot McGuffin chase. However, it turns out that Dwayne Johnson was conning Ryan Reynolds into revealing the location of the final Cleopatra egg. And Dwayne Johnson and Gal Gadot were in cahoots. They were a couple... The whole time, and in the end, they steal Cleopatra's egg and sell it to some Egyptian guy. Get off with two hundred million dollars, which doesn't seem like a lot of money after watching Succession for the past twenty hours. <laughs> uh Deadpool, sorry, Ryan Reynolds has—that's nice because I've actually written Deadpool here as a, <laughs> a placeholder. Ryan Reynolds has Interpol freeze their assets out of spite, out of revenge. And he turns up on their boat and says, aha, now we have to team up. Let's team up and make a sequel.
1: You missed out the Ed Sheeran cameo.
0: (laughs) Ed (laughs) Sheeran. Yeah, the the Ed Sheeran cameo that referenced the Game of Thrones cameo. It was was next level meta cultural commentary.
1: See, I liked that because I think I wasn't as in the weeds as some people at the time with news. And obviously I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but he got quite a lot of backlash. For that didn't he i think like oh you sell out what you're doing in game of thrones and, and it was about is... ba- it was a
0: bad moment for game of thrones as well to ha- start having celebrity cameos right okay
1: that makes sense but it makes it even funnier that that is his retort in this it's do you know who i am yeah, I, I, like,
0: I liked it as well and you can see you, i think you can see edge here and corpsing you can see that he's just having a laugh he's not even trying to act and See, even then, I, there's, there is an and there is an actual good joke when the rich guy's daughter is presented with the three Cleopatra eggs, and she no sells it and goes to run towards Ed Sheeran instead. That's that's yeah. an actual good joke.
1: See, I, I liked all that, and it did work for me. But my my partner, who is we're, we're both quite sadly Ed Sheeran fans, she couldn't look at the screen. She was like, "This is this is cringe. I cannot watch. Oh my word!" And I thought, "No, come on, it, it's." It's working, but no, she wasn't far it. So I don't think everyone's going to be as kind to it. What about that double cross then? Did you foresee this
0: happening or? I did not. I realized on reflection that it was hinted to on two occasions that I can recall when the rock breaks out of handcuffs. I thought, is that, is, hmm, okay. And when Gal Gadot and Dwayne Johnson are fighting hand to hand, Dwayne Johnson, who is the size of three men fighting Gal Gadot, I thought, this is ridiculous. I can let Scarlett Johansson get away with it in Marvel films because she has the additional gadgets, but this is just a pure hand-to-hand fight. It doesn't make any sense. Ah, but it does because they weren't really fighting. I didn't guess it. What about you?
1: I I didn't guess it either. I didn't even pick up on those moments that you said, but just for... A bit of a failsafe. If you fail to pick up those moments, don't worry. They recap it in a montage just to make sure. Yeah, <laughs> it was in there. It was peppered in there. Don't you worry.
0: I didn't like the montage. That was it, not unnecessary. We can we can just rewind it. Like we're on Netflix.
1: And again, not to pick for picking sake, but the whole reveal is completely without consequence. It's like, oh, we double crossed you. There you go. Yeah. Oh, guess what? I don't really care. That there's no amount of character building to a point where it has an impact it's just and this which (laughs) speaks to really what sort of film this is but it did make me go kind of lost on you when you've not built up an audience's you know attachment to the characters really so
0: it's like they know there is no attachment to the characters so why bother making anything matter it's not like indiana jones and the last crusade which is all a bit of fun until sean connery gets shot in the stomach and he's going to bleed to death if you don't do the last little mission. This is just, we know you don't care, so here's Gal Gadot in a bikini.
1: But I do admire this film for knowing what it wants to be. I don't think it's aspiring to be anything beyond what it is, and that sometimes is perfectly fine. Like, say, for example, I think I'm not familiar, or I wasn't familiar with this director, but I realised that one of his other credits includes Skyscraper. That is not, Anywhere near as enjoyable as this film, but it's not that bad of a watch. He obviously is quite adept at making these sorts of films, and there is a market for it. And if they can be half decent, given the shit that comes out, I'm fine with something that is distinctly average.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree. I agree, especially compared to Eternals last week, which was trying to be some, I don't even really get what it was trying to be. You're right that it's actually a brave thing you could say to make something that is so shamelessly going after audiences' enjoyment.
1: Yeah, completely agree.
0: The final act when they go to Argentina, that's the bit I like the most, the final jungle adventure. Gal Gadot comes back. It's the big finish. I liked it. My question for you is, did you notice the two Indiana Jones references in that last 30 minutes? Quiz time.
1: Other than Ryan Reynolds whistling the Indiana Jones theme tune, as they walked down a staircase don't know what the other one was yeah is that one of the two
0: yes the other one i looked it up because i suspected it was because it was so out of place the rock dwayne johnson he passes his torch over a crate with a u.s army reference number something on it that crate is the crate that holds the ark from raiders of the lost ark
1: well would you adam and it? I would never have got that in a million years, but It's a nice.
0: very deliberate recreation of the crate that the US Army puts the arc in at the end. Dwayne Johnson and Ryan Reynolds, I think this is the only time where we've not even bothered to try and say the characters' names. <laughs> but I think that that is in keeping with the, the mood of the film. So Dwayne Johnson and Ryan Reynolds, they talk about their fathers. So what I'd like to suggest to you as we come to the end is... Red Notice, the trilogy. So Red Notice 1 is what we've just seen. Red Notice 2, master conman, Dwayne Johnson's father, comes back. And can the father con the son or not? And will they learn to love each other and forgive each other? Red Notice 3, Ryan Reynolds' cop father returns. Can the legendary cop who raised one of the great art thieves in the world catch? the three greatest art thieves in the world, and will Ryan Reynolds and his father learn to forgive each other? You can see where I'm going. That's my trilogy for Red Notice.
1: I would not be surprised if that comes to fruition. It's almost, I would imagine, I've not been on a lazy Hollywood screenwriting 101 course, but I would imagine that it's sort of like a a standard set list of, if you are planning further sequels, insert X here and Y here, and I think they've done that. And you're very right in pointing out that it is very prime for that happening. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised at all. Let it be noted that you have said that on this podcast and maybe therefore a future lawsuit might be in the mix.
0: On Tuesday, the 16th of November at 7.21pm.
1: Would you entertain another one of these?
0: I think I would, yeah. I would watch it as part of my Netflix subscription.
1: At the very final moment of this film, a red notice is served. Why call the film Red Notice? If it happens at the very end. Has that happened before with Ryan Reynolds' character? I just thought there's a better title for this, like Heist with Three.
0: Heist. <laughs> heist.
1: <laughs> yeah. that, that wasn't the fine example of a better title, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think I'm just talking bollocks now. Heist but and just... Furious. Yes. Yes. Trademark that shit as well. Yeah. Honestly, we've said it before. We're lost doing this. What We're wasted, rather. Yeah. We should we should be screenwriting oh well we'll get to it at some point this podcast will surely unlock the doors that's why we started it right <laughs> let's quit while we're ahead james what will we be reviewing next week
0: ghostbusters afterlife starring paul rudd
1: oh very good right look forward to that one genuinely thank you very much for listening if you want to leave us any feedback please do so at in the hours podcast at gmail.com you can leave abusive messages about my review last week of Close To Me, if you wish. And you can review and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars, please. And Instagram is also another avenue for you to explore the weekly posts that we put on there with, with a very fine, defined brand image with consistency and infrequent content. James, do you have any parting words for our listening audience this week? If you
0: notice any red in your stool, See a dog's. <laughs>